Hey guys, before we get started, if you have not yet heard, listen to, subscribe to our new podcast, Happy Brain. I'm going to tell you, you're missing out. I'm hosting this through the Tiny Leaps Big Changes Network, and it's a show about fun, quirky ways to keep your brain happy. They're short episodes, high energy, and lots of fun. So find Happy Brain wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you hit that subscribe button. People want to hear you. They want to hear your struggle, your experiences, your how you have overcome because we are all individuals, but we connect in so many different ways. Yeah. I've always felt immensely. I was born with several falls. I have always felt small. I was told not to take risks. I may be blind, but I teach people how to see. And I'm proud to be an individual. This podcast is for you, the unconventional leader. Maybe you are the one that everyone discounted. Maybe you struggle with fear and self-doubt. We are here to empower the next generation of self-starters to step up. Use their voice and make an impact in this world. The most important thing in this world is what we think about ourselves when we are by ourselves. That comes from today's guest, Josh Canuti. And if this is your first time listening, what's going on? My name is Heather Parody. I am your host, and I'm not sure if y'all are ready for this episode. Lots to unpack in 30 minutes. Crazy story, jam-packed with a bunch of hope and a human being you definitely want to connect with. Okay, so here's his story. After working his way through and up corporate America and reaching the perceived success level of managing a $580 million labor line and over 22,000 employees, Josh Canuti said he was never satisfied. He ended up setting out to acquire a $10 million corporation for himself. The deal went bad, which led him into an extremely negative spiral where he ended up in a quote, flea bag motel with Jack Daniel cocaine and a shotgun ready to end his life. Now, thankfully, the gun literally malfunctioned and did not go off. So after a lot of internal work to regain his mental health, he realized that one of the main reasons why he was in that motel was because of his thoughts and the way that he viewed the world. Now he is on a mission to spend the rest of his life helping as many people overcome life's obstacles. The biggest one, he says, is themselves. Y'all now, first of all, listen, this is perfect timing. September, when we're releasing this, is Suicide Awareness Month. And I just want to put a big trigger warning on this interview that if this is something that you do not feel like you can handle, please turn it off. It's okay. Please reach out to someone. And if you or someone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts, we drop these suicide hotline numbers in the show notes. One of the strongest things you can do is reach out for help. But I do think this is such an important conversation for us to have as leaders, as go-getters, as type A driven people. Josh admits that he got in this spiral. It was never enough. And his self-worth was attached to performance. And he said, even as a young boy, there was this pivotal point where he associated having money was the only way to help people. And it is a way to help people. But there were so many stories, so much identity wrapped around performance that it almost took Josh's life. And I'm so grateful for him to care enough about us 
be vulnerable to share this stuff with us. Because even if you are not in that place yourself right now, these are topics that we need to talk about as unconventional leaders. So please take a screenshot of this episode, share with another leader in your life. I know Josh's story is going to impact them and connect with him. He has an awesome podcast, Overcoming You, that is linked in the show notes. All right, y'all, let's meet Josh. You ready? Combating negative thoughts, redefining success, and rebuilding hope. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I love what you're doing over there. And um, I always love the energy in your Friday. Vision Fridays are something that I look forward to ever since I that. I appreciate that. Really Thank you so much. Overcoming you. What a powerful name. Because when I think overcoming, I think of something external coming towards me, this mountain I got to climb, that's something that's happened to me and that overcoming you, overcoming yourself. What do you mean by that? I mean that in my opinion, and it's something that I'm, it's a hill I'm willing to die on is that Mm. the most important thing in this world is what we think about ourselves when we are by ourselves. Mm. Everything else extends from that. You, if you think when you're by yourself, you're like, wow, I really messed up as a parent. Guess what? You might continue that, continue down that path and everything starts and stops at that moment when you're by yourself. What what do you think about yourself? How do you view yourself? And then everything extends from there and that's the foundation and it can be really, really good foundation or it can be really, really rocky, however you, however you use it. So how is how you've viewed yourself evolved? It's a really good question. And that's the whole catalyst or start of this podcast is that so for me, just to kind of give you a little bit of backstory, I've always been, we were t- chatting just a little bit before we uh, jumped on here, introvert, extrovert, and I've always been an extrovert, always mm-hmm. been kind of the life of the party and kind of really outgoing and happy. And the reason why I say that is, I'll allude to it in a minute, is kind of my backstory. I was in corporate America, started working my way up. I was at a $8 billion company overseeing $580 million, 22,000 associates by, every, by all standards, had it all soon to be wife. And then it just never was enough, never was enough. And I said, you know what, I'm tired of putting EBITDA to a $8 billion company. Let me do it for myself. I left that $8 billion company. And this is the thing that I look back, I don't recommend anybody doing this. But in one year, I quit my six figure job, moved states, got married and tried to buy a $10 million corporation. So a little bit too much to do in one year. When I went, when I left that company and went to go buy that $10 million company, I worked on it for about eight months and literally was in the lawyer's office ready to sign the papers and some things went awry and that company fell. That deal went apart. I went from this happy-go-lucky person to all of a sudden I went, I'm newly married. I don't have a job. I don't, I told my wife that I'm going to take care of her, provide for her. She's going to have the best life she ever can possibly imagine. And it went from me thinking positive about myself. Yes, I can do it. Yes, I can to all of a sudden you're, you're a piece of, you know what, all of a sudden you're such a loser. Everybody thinks you're a failure. That went from one time a day to multiple times a day to all of one day, then one day out of a week and then a week out of a month. And then it was months on end. And then that steamrolled into not going, I've always been really athletic and kind of going to the gym, like a bad week for me would be like three times a week. And I stopped going to the gym. And then I went from three times a week to two times a week to one time a week. And then it went from, I had to get out of the house. So I went to, I had to eat something. So I started to eat fast food and that became one time a day, two times a day, then it became, that's all I ate. And then drinking started one time a day, two times a day, all week, month, and it just slowly crept in. 
because it all started with how I was viewing myself. And it started with that one thought that began another thought that began another thought seeped into my eating habits, seeped into my exercise regimen. And then slowly and surely, it got to a very dark place that I just did not want to be on this earth any, anymore. And so I had been ready to execute that. And fortunately, that didn't ever go through. But then once I kind of came out of that depression, I realized the only reason why I was in that flea bag motel ready to end it all was because of how I thought about myself when I was by myself. And it mm -hmm. happened slowly and surely, but it happened very quickly too, of about a year and a half. And then that's kind of when I started this podcast because quasi joke I say is I still have some work to do about myself because there's some individuals on this planet that I extremely dislike or hate, but I would not want them to spend one nanosecond in that mentality of where I was. And it can slip so quickly, no matter where you are or how successful or anything. And I just want to spend the rest of my time, money and energy helping as many people stop going down that road or get out of the off that road or get out of that path, whatever I can do to help. That's all I want to do the rest of my life because it is, it is not a fun, it is not a fun place to be. I have a million questions for you, Josh. So you just buckle in my friend, but uh, backing up a little bit, having that kind of success at a young age, you seem pretty young to me unless you have just aged really well, but back up a little bit to like young Josh childhood. Where, how do you get to what, to that position to where you were like ready to buy a multi-million dollar business? Like talk to me a little bit. Yeah. So I actually started my childhood. My dad was a blue collar worker. But one of the things that I will always give my dad a lot of credit for is he taught me how to work. He installed carpet and he would leave before I woke up and he'd come home long after I was I was in bed. And so I started doing audits around the job around the um the neighborhood. I remember my first like quote unquote business I ever did was paint the numbers on the curb. I remember I did like 10 of them in, in one week and charged 10 bucks a piece. So I made a hundred bucks. I'm eight years old. And then I realized uh, I went to my friends that school and it's like, Hey, look what I did. And they're like, Hey, I want to do that. So then I told them I would pay them five bucks. So I would make five bucks and they would go do the work. And so that kind of started that whole thing. And from there, it just kind of escalated. I always wanted something more, something more. You know, I got a job when I was 15 at a, um, at a drugstore and kind of worked my way up and became the youngest um, store manager in the history of their company at age 20. Mm. So I'm 20 years old, and this isn't said to be braggadocious, but 20 years old, making $65,000, $70,000 as a 20-year-old. So I'm living on my own. I got my own place. I'm doing well, comparatively speaking, and just was never, ever enough. And I had to keep driving and keep driving and keep Where driving. Where did that come and from, that enough, enough? What, what was that? I think it's probably, if I'm going to be honest, and now being in therapy and kind of working through some of the childhood things, it was, I always wanted to impress other people. And I always mm -hmm. wanted to help other people. And I thought the only way for me to help somebody else was to have a lot of money mm -hmm. to set up not nonprofits, because if I had money, then I, then I remember having some money when I was a kid. And I remember I had like 250 bucks. And my dad said, Hey, do you have any money? I said, you know what I do? And he goes, Oh, my God, I can't believe you like totally saved, saved my life, we can pay rent and everything. And I remember wow. looking back that that was a very big Wow. Um, cornerstone where I was like, okay, I have to have money to help people. And I think that kind of begat all the drive that I had to kind of one up, one up, one up. 
make 50 grand, make 75, 75, make 100, make 125, make 150, so on and so forth. And then to the point where I was at that corporate office and, you know, I remember one year I put $93 million to the EBITDA line for this $8 billion company, got all accolades and pats on the back. And I said, what am I doing it for this company for? Let me do it for myself. And then I tried to buy that $10 million corporation on my own. So it's just this never ending cycle trying to get more and more and more. So you, you earlier told me that now you're passionate about helping people through this platform and stuff. How did you transition from associating, I help people this way to be able to now see helping people in a little bit more of a broader scope? I think it was from the darkness that I went through, through mm -hmm. that depression, that failed suicide attempt, and then do work internally through therapy and understanding that you can help so many people. You don't have to have, you don't have to be Bill Gates and have these billion dollar, these billions of dollars to help people. You and I can do it through this mic and through this computer right. and you can have the opportunity to affect thousands or tens of thousands or millions of people just by being true and being honest and being open and being vulnerable. And then once I figured that out, or once I realized that, hey, my story could help somebody, once it did, once I got that first DM or I got that first request to speak at a high school or whatever, and I told my story, then people coming up to me and saying, wow, that really helped me. I went, oh, this just totally changed my trajectory for, for my life. This is what I want to do the rest of my life and spend every minute, dollar, energy level that I have to help as many people as possible. I, I think everyone listening can really relate to that more and more driving thing, maybe not in the sense of money, but more Instagram followers, more downloads in your podcast, more affirmation, whatever that may be. There's always that need. Um, I'm just wanting to, I guess, either prove ourselves or get that validation or whatever. And even like though you've switched lanes, I was wondering if that still pops up sometimes where you're like, I've got to drive, I've got to get more and maybe how you can tame that. Yeah, that is something that I still struggle with. Yeah, especially I got, <laughs> I think all of us podcasters, you know, on Sunday or whenever we're doing our editing, you know, we chop, we pop up Chartable and see where we're at and like, oh my God, yeah. you know, we're on this or that's always still there. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think it when it defines you, Mm. Like for me, my, my self-worth was directly equal to my net worth. Yeah. And until I made more money, there was, all, there was always a deficit in my personal heart or bank account. And now that I'm getting better, I have a long way to go still. Sure. I'm getting better with the fact that I am enough and I'm so lucky to have a house and have, have um, food and have a wife that is so much harder than I ever should have been able to get. And she's so much smarter than I ever should be able to get. I always say that, um, you know, she's a nine without makeup. I'm a six at best with money <laughs> and I don't have any money. So, but you know, I'm just the fact that I really do a lot of work. Um, my morning routine is very, very crucial to me. My meditation is very crucial to me and just allowing myself to really understand that I am enough as yeah. is. Yeah. But still have that drive to be better is still that, that yeah. thing that I struggle with. But it's it's so it gives me a lot of solace. It gives me a lot of um, hope for life. I love that you keep using the word hope. Speaking of, like you mentioned, you know, being in this this hotel room and considering taking your life, you're very close to it. Um, what kept you alive? What kept you what gave you hope in that moment? Because you hadn't started the morning routines and overcoming you and started on this personal journey, like what was that spark that you said, you know what, I'm going to give it another shot? You know, I really wish that this story went a different way because it's something that I still struggle with is that 
unfortunately, I did actually pull the trigger. Just the gun actually had malfunctioned. And what I realized is I had changed um, I changed the battery in my car a few months prior, taking the battery out, put it in my trunk. The trunk had the shotgun shells, the battery tipped over. And after months after I the suicide attempt to go through, I realized that the um, acid from the battery had swelled the shotgun shells, so it wouldn't go through. Wow. So I really wish that I had a different thought on that or had a different storyline. But the fact is that I actually did pull that trigger but without being woo woo, without being be hippy dippy, we are woo woo and hippy here. You're <laughs> I really believe that that the, the gun the gun didn't go off for a reason, I'm and serious. because by every stretch of the imagination, you know I should not be here. Wow. And so when people say life isn't fair, it's also um, not fair in a good way because I really should not be here if that's the case. If life mm-hmm. is fair, that should have finished that off. But so I wish I had a di- different storyline through that but the good thing with that is that i learned now because i don't know if you can get any lower any more in the depths of despair and crawl your way out like i said i still have work to do i still have a lot of room for growth but the fact that i've been to the bottom and i've seen the depths of depravity i know i i come from a spot of experience Mm-hmm. Now I'm now I'm having people like you on. I'm having other neuroscientists and bi- um, biologists and therapists on. So now I'm starting to learn intellectually. So mm-hmm. now I'm starting to correlate both the experience and the knowledge together to help even more people. So when I talk to people or when people DM me, I think they can feel that hey, you've been through some some stuff. Like I said, I come from a my heart's coming from experience. And so I'm able to kind of help and connect mm-hmm. be like, Hey, I, I see you. I understand you. I hear you. I feel you. I've been there. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you what worked for me. This is how I did it. This is how I overcame. This is how I pushed through. This is how I finally am able to put a smile on my face a lot more than once yeah. a quarter. That's kind of where we sit. Josh, thanks for sharing all of that with us. I know that's, you know, you don't have to share your story and the fact that you're willing to do that um, says how much you care about other people. So thank you for that. Rebuilding some hope, you know, when, when it's all been lost and maybe you're finding yourself in that darkest place, how did you start slowly building up hope, resilience within yourself? Yeah, that's actually, you said it perfectly, which is that slowly. So, you know, Steve Jobs has that quote, you can't connect the dots going forward, but you can connect them going backwards. Hmm. So it's a really interesting thing. So after that suicide attempt, you know, there's a lot of depression, a lot of basically a month straight of kind of living in the bed, kind of that's mm-hmm. where I lived and really get out watching TV. Um, that's about all I did. And I knew that after a couple of weeks of laying in that bed, I knew I had to do something. And the only way for me that I felt good about myself was when I said I was going to do something and I actually followed through with it. Mm. And so I had to start so small and I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell my wife. I said, you know what? I'm so, this is me looking back. I'm not in the moment was I thinking this, but I'm, I'm so broken. I'm so down in despair. I'm just going to move this quarter from my nightstand to my dresser yeah. and then from my dresser to my nightstand. And I'm just going to do it for 30 days. I pick 30 days because that's what I've heard on TV and in talks. It takes 30 days to create a, a habit. And so day one, nightstand, dresser, nightstand, dresser, day nine, day 10. Then about day 15, day 17, I went to bed. I was supposed to take it from my dresser to my nightstand. And keep in mind that I don't live in a mansion. So it's not a 1500 square foot 
master bedroom and I'm six foot two. So it's like one long step for me to get to it. <laughs> I'm laying down and I'm looking at this quarter and I go, this is so dumb. This is so mm-hmm. stupid. You're not even posting on social media. Nobody's knowing that you're doing this. this is so dumb. Josh, what are you doing? What are you thinking? How in the world is this going to help you? This is so dumb. You're such a moron. This is so stupid. This is nothing is going to be fixed with this at all. And I was like, fine, fine. Forget it. Forget it. Forget it. Pick, got up, picked it up, put it to the dresser. Day 17, day 19, day 20, day 29, and then day 30. And I wish that as soon as I put it down there on day 30, I wish I could tell you that I felt great or I felt awesome. I did not. I remember vividly putting it down, going, that was so dumb. That didn't do anything. That was so worthless. Nobody, this is, this is the dumbest thing you've ever could have done. But once again, connecting those dots going backwards, because that one little action that led me to, you know, taking a shower each day. And then it led me to go to the gym one time a week. And hey, did I go to the gym and do a CrossFit workout? Absolutely not. I remember the first time I went to the gym, I walked on the treadmill, walked and didn't even catch a sweat and just left. Yeah. But then that turned into two days. Hmm. And then that turned into eating a little bit healthier and drinking water instead of soda. And then that turned into four days. And that turned into, you know, we talked on our podcast that we hate running with a fiery passion. And I said, hey, I just want to do one mile. Right. And then that turned into two miles. And then it turned into flash forward. I did a marathon and completed that marathon. And it was all because of that one tiny little stupid quarter that started that one little step for that one positive, um, creating that one positive new neurotransmitter, neural pathway in my brain to make me think just a little bit more positive about myself and just a little bit. And it was that slow build over and over and over that seeped into all areas of my life, mind, body, and soul to where now I have more days than than bad. And it, but it all started with that one tiny little action or thought process. Yeah. Going back through into just like rebuilding your life, like you're used to this, this corporate world and all of that. Like what if, what if, how have you kind of like reshaped your life now? I mean, what what are you doing right now day to day? So right now it's all hands on deck with the podcast. Um, So I went full bore into that. I'm very lucky that I have the ability or the finances to do so. I'm very lucky that my wife is fantastic she owns her own business and we're able to kind of do some things together but that this is the only thing that i want to do and it's something that i'll be honest that just recently over this last probably month or so where i went i went out of the business side of the podcast and went even more so into the heart i started the podcast out of the heart but then i like i said i got into the numbers thing and then i i once the numbers go up then it's like okay advertisers start hitting you up they see you on the charts of, of us spotify and they start doing all this. And then it was like, okay, I'll take some advertisers. And then when they dropped off last or a month ago, I went, oh, I got I to do more. Okay, now let's let's hit the payment. Let's really make this a business. And then I had to kind of take a step back and go, what are you doing this for? Because I started to do some things that were more business focused instead of heart focused. Like what? Give me an example. Just started some people, some advertisers came that weren't in line with something that I would want to promote. No um, disrespect to them. It just wasn't in line. And, but they were able to, they were wanting to give me a thousand bucks. I'm like, Oh my gosh, thousand bucks. Okay, cool. That'll pay for, you know, two studio times. And then I went, wait a minute. If I start going down that road, then everything's going to be a cash grab and I'm going to start to lose my focus, which I only want to lead with, with my heart. I could sense myself starting to go back into the, that old thought process of, you know, self-worth, net worth, right, money, right. Yes. go, go, go. And 
because I've done these shifts that we talked about just recently, I'm able to recognize that and go, wait a minute, that's not where I want to go because I know where that's going to lead. Mm -hmm. So let me get back on track. Let me get back to my routine. Let me get back to my, my heart of my mission of the podcast and kind of go through that view, view everything through those lenses versus just a business money side, which I almost started to go down. Sure. Was it difficult, like coming out publicly and sharing your story online and building this platform? Was that difficult at all? Or was, was it second? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. It was really difficult. I can, I I actually sent some emails um, a couple months ago to some of my first guests because I've been a long time podcast listener, but I went in going, Hey, I want to be like this. And yeah. it's very question, answer, question, answer. Mm-hmm. And there was no, no, there's no me in it. And not that, not that I'm anything special, but people want to hear your story. Right. People, yes. you know, one of the reasons why I, we connected is that I love your energy. When I see your TikToks, I know they're, they, uh, sometimes they're awesome. They're awesome. <laughs> they make me feel good. Like I'm not, I'm not giving you a, yeah. a line of BS. They make yeah. me feel good. Your energy makes me feel good. And because it's you, right. you've had some amazing guests on, but the reason why your podcast is so cool is because you give part of yourself and you relate through your lens. And I think that's one of the reasons why my podcast is, is grown exponentially is that once I figured out that, Hey, I'm just a regular dude. I'm just, I'm the 98% and I may be lucky enough to get the top 2% or the 1% quote unquote. Yeah. But I want to ask. I'm not afraid. I'm less afraid to ask the stupid questions because I know that the majority of the other 98% are wondering that are like me. They want to hear that too. Once I started to open up about my story a little bit more, then I started all of a sudden my numbers like doubled. I'm like, what the heck happened? Yeah. And I started getting DMs like, Hey, thank you for sharing that. I can't believe I'm the only person that ever thought I was worthless or the only person. I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just realized that people want to hear your story along mm-hmm. with, with the guests and kind of connect like that. And it was, uh, it was an interesting learning, but. So for me, uh, the, the kind of quirky Southern kind of ridiculous side of me, I always kind of hid back because I was like, I felt like, you know, when I hit 30 and I had a business and all that, I'm like, oh, I need to be a little professional and all this stuff. And I really like subdued that piece of me. What was that piece for you where you were like, this is really who I am, but I, I'm resisting showing this to people? I think it was how dark my depression got. Mm. Like mm. in those, it was about a year and a half leading up to that suicide attempt. Mm-hmm. But I don't, nobody would have ever, ever known. Even my wife that could, that knew something was going on and knew I was in a bad way. I still had that, that fake smile Mm -hmm. and people would say, how are you doing? Oh man, I'm I'm about to kill it. Or, oh, I'm just, you know, just every day is great, grand and wonderful. And so being able to be more open and honest about how dark those times got, because that was such the antithesis of kind of my persona from what everybody knew about me. So that was very difficult to kind of lean into and kind of be open about. I'm still working on it to try to be even better, but I was wondering, like, with interviewing all these different people and opening up with your story, what have you learned about overcoming you that was really shocking to you? I think the most shocking thing is with quote unquote success. Mm. I've had a few Olympians on, I've had some um, big name musicians on, and some entrepreneurs on, and all of them have said something either on air or before or after that 
they are the least talented or least athletic person that they've ever met. Meaning like there were some people wow. with one of the Olympians that are like, I can't tell you how many girls um, are so much better than I am. You know, the musician, this um, lead singer, the dirty head said, I can't tell you how many times I've been in a studio where everybody is just so much more musically gifted and inclined. And I said, well, why did you, how, why did you make it? How did you make it? And what I realized is that success is all is boring. And what I mean by that, <laughs> that's the quote for today. Okay. I love that. <laughs> yeah. And what I mean by that is, is everybody knows how to be healthy. Mm. You get a good night's sleep, you wake up, you drink water, yep. you eat, eat well, you go to the gym, you go to sleep, you wake up, you drink water, you eat well, you go to the gym. It's very mundane. Yes. Oil, chicken and broccoli is very boring compared to pizza and donuts. I mean, there's just no way about it. Mm -hmm. But the only reason why these Olympians got there is they just kept showing up, kept showing up, kept showing up, kept showing up, kept showing up. And that was the difference. The musician just kept going to gigs with three people, kept going to gigs with one person, no people. They just kept showing up, kept showing up. It just seems so, so boring, but that is, that is their greatness inside of them. And that's why they achieve the levels versus the rest of us or some of us don't. We don't want to go through the mundane daily tasks in order to get to the podium or to the stage in front of 35,000 people. But it's that that whole thing with everyone's heard this quote forever, but now I finally understand it in my heart. It's the journey and not the destination. You have to be okay with the daily, mundane, day-to-day -day tasks in order to get to that podium. And once you can understand that it's the journey, it's the daily, and find the happiness and the things that fulfill you inside that daily journey, inside those tasks, yeah. and keep your mind focused, then things really start to uh, increase exponentially. Why podcasting though? Why not Why not YouTube? Why not a blog? Why not you write a book? Why do you pick podcasting? Originally, there's a few things. One, so my, my um, man crush is Joe Rogan. So I've been listening to him forever. And so I was like, oh, well, I could do that. Little did I realize how difficult podcasting actually is. And to have quality conversations like you have, it takes a skill, it takes learning to kind of do that. But then also it started from, started kind of from a negative outlook is that I didn't think I would have to be on, on video. So it would just be, be my voice because really? I was still timid about the way I looked and stuff like that. Now I'm slowly starting to overcome that. Um, but that was originally the, the whole portion. And then also I will say that the business side of my mind kind of did play into that portion as well. We were talking on a previous call is that right now in, as we sit here, there's about 800,000, 900,000 podcasts of which 600,000 are what's called active, meaning they post or they publish one thing a month, which sounds like a lot, 600,000. Oh my God, that's so many. We'll transfer that to YouTube. YouTube has 31 million different channels with 550 million different videos. Yep. So the trajectory is still, it's in, in its infancy stages. So I was like, hey, if I can quote unquote get in early, perfect my skill or hone my yes. my uh, podcasting chops, then hopefully when the tipping point does happen or when that critical mass does move, then maybe I'm in a position to really expand and really help a lot more people. I love it. I'm so grateful that you that you chose this path, um, that you chose the subject matter, that you're willing to share your story. I know that you're impacting so many lives. And you're just getting started, Josh, which is the coolest thing in the world. I have one final question for you, but 
where can people find you, find your show, listen to all the episodes? Where can they go to do that? Um, so anywhere they listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Overcoming You. Um, on social media, I'm actually Overcoming and then the letter U. Somebody else has the actual Y-O-U. So Overcoming You, the letter U. TikTok, Glasses. Overcoming You, the letter U. And anywhere you find podcasts, I'll be there. I'll put out new episodes um, every day, Monday of 4 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Very cool. Very cool. All that will be linked in the show notes. Guys, I know I know that uh, this story has touched a lot of your hearts. So please, if you'll do me a favor, if you'll go over there, hit subscribe button for Josh. Listen to his podcast. Um, leave him a review. Leave him a review over there. <laughs> uh, very last question. Let's say we were to go back in time. Um, I love the story of this quarter. This is a small step and you're going back and forth and just putting it you know, on the stressor back and forth. And it was so mundane, but it was like this muscle that you were building, um, believing in yourself, um, doing what you said that you were going to do. And you were just in this, the very beginning of this journey, hadn't started the podcast, really hadn't built up this, uh, this message that you have right now. Um, had no idea where probably where you're going to go from here. If you were to go and sit with that Josh and tell him one thing that you understand now that he did not know back then, what would that be? People want to hear you. They want to hear your struggle, your experiences, your how you have overcome. Because we are all individuals, but we connect in so many different ways. Yeah. And even though that story, my story means certain things to me, the people that are hearing this are going to connect with it in a different way. And so just to be 100% authentically you. Yeah. And I promise that... As psychology says, you're you're 20% better looking than, than you think you are, and people want to hear your story, so don't be shy and just be open and be honest and be vulnerable. Was that not powerful or what? One of my favorite things that Josh kept reiterating was the importance of you sharing your story, leaning into who you are. That is what impacts people's lives. That is what makes a difference. And that is what leaves us satisfied at the end of the day. Show up fully, my friends. Connect with Josh, Overcoming You podcast that is linked in the show notes. And hey, Josh and I connected on TikTok. Come on. Are we connected? Find me at Heather Parody, P-A-R-A-D-Y. I promise you don't dance too much. Maybe a little. Love you guys in your corner. See you soon.